Welcome to Blockchain Inside. The podcast is co-produced by Ideas, Purdue, Blockchain Lab, and CastBox. Our vision is to connect everyone in the blockchain industry and explore the most up-to-date news. We hope this podcast will be educational, easy to understand, and inspirational for all our listeners. I'm Kimberly Culbertson, and with me is Coach Culbertson, and today we have Island Glover with us. Island, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself to the audience a bit and share with us your story about how you got started with blockchain. Thank you, Kimberly. Uh, my name is Island Glover. I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Koala, K-O-W-A-L-A, and we are just about to finish uh, building the world's first autonomously stabilizing decentralized cryptocurrency. What is that? It's a very complicated thing. It basically <laughs> means a cryptocurrency that can hold a steady value. And this is really important if you want to open up cryptocurrency and blockchain usage to the mass market, because the volatility of a lot of uh, currencies like Bitcoin or Ether, Litecoin and so on, really prevents businesses and individuals from using it. And that's something that we want to change. Got it. Got it. So talk to us a little bit about how we can transfer blockchain into a particular industry. So for example, financial or healthcare. We started on this particular journey by asking ourselves a question. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're saying there, coach, hey, why, why, are we, why is this not penetrating these other industries? And what will it take for cryptocurrency and blockchain to really take off in these areas? And exactly. we asked ourselves a really similar, yeah, we asked ourselves a very similar question at the outset. And and uh, John Rotano, my co-founder, and I were early Bitcoin enthusiasts in particular. And we thought to ourselves a handful of years after Bitcoin had been out in the marketplace, hey, why, you know, there's a lot of interest in this technology. It's incredible. It's world changing. And so why is everyone not using it? Why, why do our friends and family not understand what this stuff is? And why is it basically have 0% market penetration? <laughs> and we thought, okay, if we, can, if we can figure out what the obstacles are, uh, that are blocking mass adoption, and we could try to address those, we could really make a strong contribution and help cryptocurrency spread to these other industries that you mentioned, Coach, and also uh, to into the lives of many, many individuals around the world. And we think that can empower them financially and connect them to the global economy in totally new ways that benefit everyone. And so we said, okay, well, you know, cryptocurrency is hard to get, so there's a distribution problem. Uh, it's really volatile. You know, it goes up and down in price dramatically. And uh, that gives people heart palpitations and it makes it really <laughs> unusable, as a, unusable as a currency. You know, so businesses and, and, and regular human beings can't use this as an everyday payment means, uh, even though the Satoshi Nakamoto white paper said clearly Bitcoin is meant to do that. Right. We said, OK, well, it, it can never do that because of the way that it's designed. Um, we also said look at these blockchains. I mean, Bitcoin can handle right now seven transactions per second. That means every second, seven people could pay somebody in the world. And that's not a lot. In fact, that's really, really slow. And other blockchains like Ethereum are also really, really slow still to this day. So this is another huge impediment to mass adoption because even if you could create a cryptocurrency that could hold a stable value, you still wouldn't be able to use it on a mass scale because you would bog down your blockchain that would be way too expensive and way too slow. Um, and we started to say, okay, which of these things could we address? And, and we started down this pathway. And where we ended up today is um, creating a stable currency that is like a robot 
that constantly monitors its price on exchanges and can automatically adjust its own money supply in a way that is totally transparent and decentralized so that it retains the benefits that we know and love about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, but it also can stay stable. And then we also fixed this transactional throughput, what's called transactional throughput problem, which means slow blockchains. And we took the Ethereum code base, which is a smart contracts platform that many of your listeners might be familiar with. And we did what's called a fork, which means we copied that, but we fixed the speed problem. So we basically removed the old engine, which is called um, the consensus protocol, which is the way that all the different nodes in the network agree on the truth about the, about the blockchain history. And we put in something called a proof of stake consensus protocol. That just means that instead of the, all of these different uh, computer nodes competing with one another to solve really difficult math problems and using lots and lots of electricity, they can, it's more like a co-opetition. They are, they're still vying for a block reward, which means a financial payout, but they're doing it in a way that doesn't use lots and lots of electricity, that is super, super fast, and therefore is very inexpensive and fast for the end users. So that's, that's our solution. We've been at it for quite some time, uh, about two and a half years, and we're nearing the finish line in terms of launching the product into the marketplace. Wow, it sounds incredible. Let's switch gears for a moment and talk about um, how we communicate about blockchain. The ICO industry is dominated by engineers who are not necessarily known as a group for communicating particularly well with business parties. So what's a good way to communicate effectively about your project with other parties? This is something we constantly try to refine because it's relatively easy to say it's a cryptocurrency that holds a value, like it holds a value like a U.S. dollar. That's relatively easy for someone to grasp. Uh, it's much more difficult to understand how you pull that off from a technological standpoint. And I think that once we move past a general understanding in the population, which we have not reached, just about what is cryptocurrency, what is blockchain, just at a very basic level, I think we can, we can just skip over all of these details and just get to the benefits that these new products are going to bring uh, to consumers and to businesses and others out there in the marketplace. So, you know, if I, I'm talking to you now from my uh, iPhone and got wireless headphones in, right? I know Bluetooth, kind of a funny sounding name. I have no idea how it works, right? I don't understand the, the wireless protocol that runs it and keeps me from uh, interfering with my neighbor's conversation that's going on right now. And I don't really need to. All I really need to know is that it works. I can move around in my car, in my house, in my office, and around the world, and I can talk to you guys uh, anytime I like via this network. And so I think we need to get past the focus on the technology and more towards the benefits that we can bring to lots of people out there. And the other thing we need to do is we need to get actual products into the marketplace. So far, the cryptocurrency frenzy that's been going on and the token sale frenzy and ICO frenzy is really based on white papers, which means an idea about something that someone might want to build in the near future and that might have a marketplace and a, and a, and a customer base sometime in the future. Right. And so when you have that, the only way what you get is you get an interest in speculation 
um, which is, there's not a problem with that. That drives, you know, that drives investment and it really drives the industry right now. But it doesn't, it still keeps it into that, in that abstract mode. So I think that when we get products into people's hands, they can start to use them, interact with the blockchain, then they will have a kind of a visceral, personal connection to the technology. So let's talk about starting a crypto business because obviously you've been in that space for two and a half years. What kind of challenges might somebody face as a startup, especially when venture capitalists are joining in the market? How should a startup get ready for competition with bigger firms? Well, the landscape has changed dramatically over the last two and a half years. You know, when we started, crypto was still almost a very, very sketchy word um, associated with criminals and uh, hackers and Silk Road and so forth. Um, and since then, because of all of the exposure uh, of the ICO marketplace in, in particular, and the acceptance and attention from mainstream media, and also the entry of companies like Goldman Sachs and Google and others into the space, um, it's the area is being legitimized more and more, right? So, right. so now the the um, the landscape is also, also shifting in terms of how you raise money for a, uh, for a blockchain startup. So, and this has a lot to do with regulation changes. Uh, just last week, the SEC finally came out. This is the Securities Exchange Commission in the United States. Finally came out and said, okay, Bitcoin and Ether are not securities. This is a really big deal. And we wow. need a lot more, we need a lot more guidance and a lot more, um, kind of laying down the rules by these regulators, especially in the large marketplaces for the cryptographic tokens and blockchain applications, so that so that we know what we can do. We need to know how who can we sell tokens to. What are the rules that we need to follow? What are the information we need to gather about these purchasers, um, and so on, so that we can operate as normal businesses in in different marketplaces. So that's coming into focus a little bit more. And what that will do is it's going to open up the doors more and more to the professional investors. So right now you have a mix of, uh, of kind of crypto focused funds. So people who just who've really who've created funds just to invest in cryptocurrency. You have what are called whales. These are people who are really early uh, uh, cryptocurrency and uh, token adopters who have made lots and lots of money. And so they, they now want to invest in promising projects. And then you have your traditional VCs who have largely stayed out of the space. Um, and if they've entered it, they've done it indirectly through these uh, crypto funds. These are special funds, as I mentioned, that are focused on investing. So you're going to see more and more of a professionalization of the investor group for blockchain projects. And that's already underway. Um, it may be, depending on how the regulatory scene shakes out, it may be that crypto token ICO type investing puts VCs out of business in a way, meaning um, huh. you know it has the it has the potential to totally transform this whole idea of venture capital and the way that companies raise money. And that's sort of this crowdfunding aspect. It's very, very powerful, um, but it is also susceptible to fraud and manipulation and so forth. And so that's the line that has to be navigated between 
regulators and the industry to figure out how can we get all the benefits of decentralization, of crowdfunding, um, without having the negative repercussions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Isla, we are about to end our podcast, but before we do, please share the way that our listeners can connect with you if they have questions about these things, and also any resources for blockchain enthusiasts that you would recommend. Yes. So anyone who wants to connect with us, we welcome them to join our Telegram channel. You can just search K-O-W-A-L-A, Koala, um, on uh, Telegram. And um, as far as resources in general for cryptocurrency, there are many um, daily kind of crypto wires. And these are easily found with a Google search. I recommend that they subscribe to those, uh, look at the headlines and delve into those articles that really appeal to them. Um, there's so much going on in the space, so many different projects, right. and it's changing so rapidly that, uh, that you need to stay abreast of it daily. Island, this has been great. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. And to thanks our for having me. I really appreciate it. And to our listeners, thanks for following up with us today on Blockchain Inside. The podcast is co-produced by Ideas, Purdue Blockchain Lab, and CastBox. Please subscribe to our show on castbox.fm slash blockchain lab and leave a comment there if you have any questions. I'm Kimberly Culbertson and with me is Coach Culbertson. Thanks for hanging out with us and we'll see you next time.